1: Hey everybody, welcome to Que Lasso. We have a great episode here. We have former England, Leicester City, Liverpool international, Emil Heskey, as well as former Aston Villa, West Ham, Bolton, Epswich, Montreal Impact, England under 21s, Nigel Rio Coker. They're here to talk about the recent uh, resignation of FA chief, Greg Clark, as well as we look ahead to Liverpool against Leicester City. We talk about, you know, the inclusion and the rise and the reality and the need for more black representation in football and so much more. Stay right here because this is a great episode and here we go. Joining us now on Kego Lazo, CBS Sports, two great names of English football friends and former teammates, Emil Heskey and Nigel Rio Coker. Nigel began his career with Wimbledon, taking him to West Ham, Aston Villa, MLS with Montreal Impact, as well as an England career with the under 20s, under 21s, where he captained the under 21s in the 2007 Euro Championships. Now he's a great pundit, analyst and friend here in the US and beyond. He's even doing Copa Libertadores, so he's working on that Spanish as well. Emil Hesky is one of the most well-known prolific faces of English football, made more than 500 appearances in the Football League and Premier League over an 18-year career, beginning with Leicester City, winning the League Cup twice, then a huge move to Liverpool where he won uh, the FA Cup, the UEFA Cup, League Cup, and for England, He made more than 60 appearances for the senior team, scored seven goals, and was part of two World Cup squads, 2002 and 2010. Now he's an ambassador for Leicester City Women and has set up a consultancy firm, uh, Player for Player, that provides guidance for players in post-retirement. And he's recently made some headlines, wishing his desire to be the next extra uh, FA chairman after Greg Clark's resignation due to his racist and offensive comments during a live appearance in front of a parliamentary select committee. Big intro because both of you deserve it. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Nigel, let me begin with you. How are you, my friend?
2: Sorry, sorry, Luis. Can I just say Nigel was the first uh, England captain in the new Wembley Stadium as well? Absolutely. Am I wrong? Yo, that's wind windup. Am I wrong? You're an absolute wind-up. <laughs> Am I wrong? Anyway, anyway,
3: yeah, you're right. But Luis, everything was right. The one thing you missed or the one thing you got wrong is we're not just friends, we're brothers. brothers, that's my big bro there, like, this guy doesn't realise, I remember in my younger days, obviously everyone had a team, I was, I was a Liverpool fan, I remember you used to watch Emil McManaman, Robbie Fowler, all of them guys, and this guy was playing, and the time when I sat next to him in the Aston Villa dressing room, it was just, I couldn't really describe the emotions, because being a black man, he was one of the guys who impacted me into playing football alongside the likes of, you know, Michael Thomas, Ian Wright, Robbie Earl, you know, Emil Heskey was the younger generation of those guys coming through who had an impact to the, the, a lot of the black people who are playing now, the black players that are playing now, who helped open that pathway, you know, to be such a superstar and recognised to play for his Country, to play for such a big club at Liverpool, I don't think... He understands the impact he has to younger back, black generation. And I personally don't think he gets the credit that he deserves of being someone to really open such a great pathway with the career that he's had. So we look at each other more as brothers than just friends. Cause that's how deep our relationship is.
1: I love it. I love it. I'm I'm gonna, well, uh, well Luis, said.
2: Luis, I'm going to pay him later. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he, you have his Venmo account. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, listen, uh, uh, I, I grew up in England, watched both of you, and I, I completely agree. It's, it's an absolute honor to have both of you, but Emil, absolutely uh, just incredible. Uh, so much, not just for the Black community, but really, honestly, for the minority community. I'm Latin American, and you know, people you know, growing up in England, we, we watched you and, and looked so high up to you, as well as everything that you've done post- this is just basically the Emil Heskey thank you hour. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I've just come on as like a super fan.
1: I love it. <laughs> I love it. Listen, Emil, let's get straight into it because um, I really want well both your opinions, really. Uh, Emil, we'll begin with you about Greg Clark and his mm-hmm. resignation, and moving on. Uh, we actually have uh, we last week we had uh, Eniola Aluku as well talking about this. Uh, I'm very interested. hear your thoughts you you've recently been quoted and you know you're interested in in taking about what are your
2: thoughts first of all on on on, on what happened you moving on um what happened was um look i think he's done the most honorable thing in in actually resigning um it'd be interesting to sit down and 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 ask the questions of uh, uh ask certain questions to him because when you have a certain generation and i said this to someone what he actually said if he if 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 he'd have said it to my parents they wouldn't have battled an eyelid because they're from that generation but again who's who's questioned him because he's had these views he's held these views who's ever questioned him who in that environment that he's in who's ever spoke to him about that no one because they I don't know if they do, but I'd be very, very surprised if they don't all have them same or or use them same terminologies. Um, So it'd be interesting to sit down with people like that and and explain to them. and, and, And this is where you need for good business. You need people challenging you. If you're not in, if you're in a business and someone's just saying yes, 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 it's, it's gonna go nowhere. You're got, you're following the same path all the time, and, and this is, and I think this is where we have a problem. And especially when you're talking about what we class as bane, but I'm going to use the words black, um, is that no one ever challenges them, and then you do, or, uh, no one ever challenges the hierarchy, and then they do certain things and you wonder why they do the certain things because no one's ever challenged them and then they do the same again and then you you're still asking the same questions over and over and over again um, but it'd be interesting to even sit down with 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 Greg now and just and and just talk to him and ask the questions um, going forward yeah I was asked the question and I said yeah why not but in reality um we have, when, when I say we have, we, when we're, I'm talking about the, uh, uh, we have black candidates who could actually fill that, fill that, uh, that, that hot seat very well. Um, we have the, you know, Les Ferdinands. We have Heather Rabat. We have um, Paul Elliott. We have uh, Chris Grant. We, we have arguably one of the best candidates in, in um, Hope Powell. Who 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 took us to uh, who who took the women's football to dizzy heights, and you've got to give her respect of doing that because it wouldn't have been easy to take, especially being a a what we class a, as a minority, a black coach, a black female coach, as that, um, and doing so well in what she actually did. So we do have candidates to do that, and then you obviously you have the Gary Neville's who who could who, uh, who could put their names forward. I'm Not sure if Gary Lineker would put his name forward, but I saw um, Stan Collymore um, talking about it. Well, we have plenty of candidates, but in all in all honesty, will they be at the forefront of of, of the decision uh, of the names that are at um, that are being put forward? Probably not. It'll it'll probably be done within. Yeah. What about
1: Tyrone Minx said something very interesting in the presser with England about, listen, it's also about opportunity. We just need yeah. the opportunity. It's not just about the fact that, that we know there are plenty of candidates. It's about, do we get the opportunity, the same balance and fairness as non, non-black uh, you non know, possible candidates? What do you
2: think about that? Um, it, it will show that there isn't. Um, but again, there was a code that was brought out that... Um, that you have to interview at least one BAME candidate. It'll be interesting if the FA use their own their, their own code and interview at least one BAME candidate, candidate. And, we'll see, and, and we'll soon see that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Where, where are we, do we think? And we're, we're, we're going with Emil first because we know he has to leave us and then Nigel, me and you will just get into it. But Emil, where are we right now, do you think, in terms of football, tackling racism, Equality, uh, you know, this has been such a tumultuous year—not just uh, COVID, but but also the battle against racial injustice around mm. the globe. You know, Nigel and I, are in the U.S. here, we feel it obviously. Uh, h- how do you see it? Where are we right now? What do we need to do?
2: Um, we are we we're still in the same position. When you when you ask Nigel, when you ask myself, when you ask other other um, black ex players want to be managers want to be admin want to be directors want to be whatever within football we still feel we're in the same predicament we still still we're in the same place we're talking about it so we feel that it's a little bit more open to actually discussion um but we still feel we we're not we're we're, we're underrepresented and this is the thing in this in this uh in this the start of this nigel talked about Looking up to myself, I I will talk about looking up to Ian Wrights, your Andy Coles. Your, this is visual. You know, you see people and you want to emulate them. But where's the next step for like us? So where's the next step for Nigel? Who do you see that you can emulate in 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 uh, the boardroom? Who do you see you can emulate within the coaching ranks? Who do you see you can emulate in um, in? Uh, we, we speak about what. Um, what uh, Greg talked about in IT. who are they? Where, where is the visual there? because again we're visual we like to see and we like to emulate people. and it's, it's just not there and hopefully we can we, we're, we're not coming 10 years down the line and, again and saying we've missed another generation of possibly possible coaches, of possible admins of, of even in, uh, Louise, in, in in your industry of people that you look up to that you could go to the next level of being an executive overseeing every, every department of the, the, the organization that you're working in. Is it just the case that we can only work on the ground floor and that's it? Can we look at all the, all the rest of it? And this is the, this is the thing that we're, we're wanting to change. But we're having discussions about it now. So that's the next step. And then we're looking at how we actually implement things to actually change.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, before I let you go, Emil, uh, as this comes out, uh, it's a big game this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Liverpool, Leicester City, two two as I,
2: as I sit here in my Leicester jacket.
1: <laughs> but you must have, like, what? Liverpool undershirt or something. There's got to be yes, something yes. Liverpool in your house. Right?
2: trying to help you out. You've
3: got nothing on underneath that. It's all Leicester. Mm-hmm. It's I'm all there, I'm, Leicester. I'm, I'm, all right. Well, no, I'm, what, working,
2: what I'm working with Leicester at the minute. So it's Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, Leicester yeah. <laughs> well, that,
1: That's it. I, that's where your career began. This is uh, exactly you know, where you grew up. H- how do you see this squad under Brendan Rodgers? I mean, t- doing tremendous things, um, You know, not just this season, but you can see a real philosophy changing. It's a big game against Liverpool. H- how do you see this club this season?
2: The club's been great. Uh, again, they've backed they've backed a manager that um, has shown uh, time and time again when you look at his, his CV um, that he's capable of of doing great things with with a, if he if he's given time in building a squad the way that he wants to build a squad. Uh, you look at Reading, look at Swansea, you look at Watford, um, obviously Celtic, Liverpool, and now at Leicester. I think his his win ratio is. Um, top end of 50%, probably pushing on 60%. So he's done fantastic. And once you actually back him, you start to reap rewards. Um, You're looking at uh, the tactics that he uh, he deploys against certain teams seem to be working. So he's tactically astute. He's got a great backroom staff that actually work on a lot of that stuff. He's got the the lads, he's got young lads, hungry, to want to fight and to want to play for him. So that's what you're seeing, some great results. And, and Leicester up there with the, the big names and and possibly pushing for a top four place.
1: Yeah, the issue last year was that, uh, you know, after the Christmas period, obviously things got a little harder, but I feel like Rodgers is learning that a little bit better. I mean, I think he got the bargain Nigel of the transfer window with Castagna. I think he's just a tremendous, tremendous player. But something that we talked about as well, your friend too, Gabby Agbonlahor was in the show as well. And he talked about something that he loved about Jamie Vardy that not enough people talk about. It's that, you know, he's so smart on the runs and getting behind defenders and just knowing how to time things. He may not be, you know, uh, prolific, you know, highlights, real type of striker like Lewandowski or Benzema or something, but he knows exactly where to be at the right time. What do you think about that, Emil? About Jamie Vardy and his, uh, just his rise, really?
2: Yeah, he's just got, he's gone from strength to strength. He's like a fine wine, isn't he? He's just getting better by age. And this is the thing, you know, when you're usually looking at strikers, they're, they're kind of on a, on a downward trend when they're coming in the, uh, into the later later years. He'll be 34 in January. You know, so he's just got better and better with age, and he's he's selective with his runs now. He's he's not just running everywhere. He's selective with his runs, and he makes the key runs to make sure he gets in the right areas to have to to make a difference and have a shot. Um, and you're looking at, I know there's a, there's a, there's a great debate going on at the minute. Is he up there with the best strikers in the Premier League? Well, if you're looking at ratios and you're looking at, and this is what we we all look at. We look at, look at the ratios and we look at uh, shots to goals. Goals to games, he's up there with the best of them. So yeah. you've got to you've got to be putting him in there with the best of them. You know he's not been in the Premier League for that long, and he's, and he's managed to get 100 100 goals, 100 league Premier League goals. Um, and he's the only thing now is is for Leicester is is it over dependent on him? It, is it does everything change when he's not in the side? How do you look at that now? Where is your next step for the for 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 a younger Jamie Vardy? Or someone who's gonna step up to the plate and 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 fill that void when he when he goes. Because again, he's thirty-four in January. He's not gonna he's not gonna carry on for another four years or five years. Yeah. Nigel, do you wanna ask him anything? I mean,
1: before he goes, he's your mate. I know you talk to him all the time, he's your brother, as you mentioned. Anything that you wanna bring up to the great Emil Hesky.
3: James, what formation are mm. you going tomorrow, lad? <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow. Well, when's your next game? What formation are you, playing?
2: Sunday, oh, you Sunday. play? Sunday, Sunday. We, we play, we play a four-three-three. Three. A four-three. So, three.
3: Everyone knows the secret now, nah, man. <laughs> that's fine.
2: <laughs> that, uh, the thing is, you know that you know that thing of like, oh, um, you can't give away your formation, blah blah. That's so overrated.
3: It's old school. That's old school mentality. That's so, uh, that's,
2: the
3: funny yeah, thing. Is- Back in the day, everyone played the same formation. It was (laughs) 4-4-2. Exactly. And then
2: then when you gave away the formation...
3: formation. Uh, We're playing the same exact as them.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And then when you gave away the team, like, well, you shouldn't have given away the the, the personnel. Well, the personnel do the same as everyone else. The personnel have not changed
3: for three weeks, Gaffer. What are you talking
2: about? (laughs) (laughs) Same team, same subs. Yeah.
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh, Emil, what are your views on uh, the WSL? I mean, you're working with Leicester City women. Uh, yeah. You know, it's doing, you know, thanks, obviously, partly because of the success of the Women's World Cup uh, in 2019 as well. Uh, these teams are, are growing. We've now got, obviously, over here, the United States Women's National Team is a big deal. And now you've got players like Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, uh, Sam Mewes. But it's not just them. It's also the English ta- talent. Everywhere you see so much uh, rise in the women's game. What are your thoughts? You know this uh, inside out with Leicester City women. How, what, yeah. what do you see it?
2: Look, we're obviously in the championship and we, that our, our aim is to get into the WSL1. And um, when you're watching the WSL1, you're looking at the players. Yes, we the, there's a little bit of a gulf in class and in difference in class, when you're talking the top to the bottom, um, but that will change over the years. We've seen it with the within the men's as well. That will change over the years when and and, and even itself out. But yeah, there's so much talent in there, and it's it's great to see the American talent coming over. Is Tobin, Tobin Heath, the way she drinks and, and moves on the wing is it's interesting to see them against. And this is a thing, you watch them on telly and then you think, oh yeah, but our girls will do a bit, do all right against them. Then you see them against. Then you see them in the WSL one. You're like, man, they are that good. Then, <laughs> um, no, they are very, very good. And we and you look at the likes of Man City, um, who bringing a lot of young English talent through as well, which is great. Um, uh, Arsenal have the the Dutch lady up front who scores goals for fun.
1: Vivienne, just uh, uh, she's just yeah. a, she's just ridiculous. A
2: ridiculous. Yeah, kid. she's She she knows how to score goals. Um, yeah, so it's it's great to actually watch it and and seeing uh, is it Sam Kerr coming into 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 Chelsea as well, A huge star, and then seeing, seeing how seeing can pit her with at Chelsea as well. So and it's quite top, but it's quite uh, tight at the top. And when you're looking at it, Man United really starting to 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 pull up not. They're pumping a bit of money into it now, so before they they wasn't putting that much they wasn't putting that much emphasis on it. But now they're top of the league. You see, they'll probably want to stay there, so they'll start they'll start going for it a little bit more as well.
1: Yeah, which is amazing because they're actually quite a young club, Manchester United Women. They're not uh, yeah. as experienced, and Aston Villa Women, uh, as uh, Leicester City's trying, went from the Championship first time in the WSL right now. Um, Emil Heskey, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, honestly, like, I don't know if Nigel wants to add anything. I know that you guys talk to him all the time, but Emil, thank you so much. Nigel is basically no, like no. my manager right now, he's getting me all these contacts, and uh, I'm just for no, no, no. He said I have to send him some cigars. I don't know. Are you a cigar uh, smoker?
2: Emil? No, 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 I'm a healthy man. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking,
1: Emil, thank Anybody you. so much.
3: I know him.
2: No worries, guys.
4: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool, it's your online business partner from launch to success. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
5: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
1: Welcome back, everybody. That was Emil Heskey, and now I'm with Nigel Rio Coker. Nigel, uh, I really love that what you said about, like, you know, when he first when he joined Villa, and you were just looking at him, going, "Oh my God, like this is amazing." Does that does that happen a lot? Do you think uh, with black talent, like he talked about the visuals, right? Just being inspired by, you know, you look at the young players now, right, Marcus Rashford, etc. You know, players that you know are doing so much at a young age, but There's that visual trend, right? That hierarchy that that you are inspired when you look at somebody that inspires you that much. Do you think that still happens?
3: I'm not too sure if it happens as much with this generation because I believe that they've had so many opportunities open for them because of the older generation. And it's kind of probably more about the environment they're in and the people that they have around them to kind of educate them and give them the knowledge to say, look, you're in this position because of these older people. Look at them. And I think that's what it is. But for our generation coming through, we still grew up in very different times. And I know, obviously, a lot of these players now are, you know, dealing with a lot of racism, racist abuse on social media and stuff like that. We had it and had to play with it in stadiums constantly. We didn't have social media, but we had it playing in stadiums and we had it also in the the newspapers and match reports with certain words that was always associated with the black players. You know, we had certain things that historically deemed as okay to say in a dressing room but again we had no power you know and we knew that if you try to become like a, a Spartacus in the dressing room that you'll be blacklisted so we had to deal with it in a different way and be very strong mentally while this generation probably have a lot more help than we did in the previous generation but it's it's understanding and respecting history and the gut those that went before you like Emil said you know you had Emil Heskey you had Ian Wright You had Andy Cole, and I'll probably say Ian Wright became the real, I would say, first accepted black kind of superstar with doing the Nike adverts, the Chicken Tonight. Ian Wright was probably the biggest welcoming, welcomed black star with open arms to the mainstream media and advertising sponsorships and stuff like that. That's why Ian Wright really stands out. Like he was a cultural icon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But to your point, like he had to be extremely incredible for him to be accepted. You know, it was a bigger mountain to climb because it was black.
3: Yes. And that's not being disrespectful to the ones that went before Ian Ryan. You know, you know, the Viv Andersons, the, the Michael Thomas and all those other ones. That's not being disrespectful to them, but it's just the reality of what we saw. You know, he was the one that was always on TV, the adverts, the the goal celebrations, the fans going crazy for him and the ones that he was accepted. That's not saying that he didn't have to go through a lot of his own personal things and see a lot, which I'm sure he did. Whether he chooses to share that at a later date, that's down to him. But I'm sure he experienced and went through a lot and things were said to him that he had to kind of be tough about and get on with it. So, I mean, it's it's just football, you know, it's football. And I think with football, I've always looked at football as it's a, it's a career, it's a job, but it's a job like no other. That's the biggest difference with football. Our job is done in the public eye, the public domain, constantly. 60,000, 70,000 fans don't care about what you're going through in your personal life. It's about performing for the team and the shirt that you're wearing week in, week out, consistently, without really knowing or caring about your personal life, because that's what they see as your job. It's to perform on a Saturday or Tuesday night, whenever it is your game is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my two heroes for Villa were Dalian Atkinson and, and Dwight York, and, I'm, and they share much of those, you know, as they play their career, share the same kind of sentiment. Um, listen, uh, we talked with Emil uh, on Leicester. Let's talk to you about West Ham. Uh, under David Moyes, interesting season, uh, you know, with some interesting results, right? The 3-0 against Tottenham, beating Leicester 3-0, tying Man City 1-0. Uh, now the next game is uh, away at Sheffield United, a team that really is struggling. How do you see this West Ham side uh, under David Moyes?
3: I see, I see very sim- similar similarities to how he built his team at Everton. You know, if you look at David Moyes, he's he's one of those ones who understands. I think the the vital ingredients needed to be successful in England. I think the biggest thing is getting British based players. And that's nothing against foreign players, but there's that extra sense of pride and representation when you're a British-based, you know, player. So he did the same thing at Everton, where his team was pretty much tremendously British-based, British understanding, with a sprinkle of, of uh, foreign flair and you know f- foreign grit. But he was getting the right type of foreign players who work in his system, and that's what he's doing at West Ham. You know, he wants that every man treated the same, everyone giving hundred percent. He wants that fight, that character, that desire, that real passion to win football matches. He's gone, got um, you know a few players from the championship and brought them up, players that are desperate to prove themselves at the highest level. And the difference is this that I always feel, I say, culturally. Culturally, different clubs and different regions have different beliefs in England. And that's what makes British football very unique and special. Once you play for West Ham, there's West Ham fans all over England. And once you're a British-based player, you can't hide from that. You know, you get a lot more stick for your performance than a foreign player because a foreign player doesn't really understand the concept of the club and what it means. So they might come in, they might lose a game and just go home and do what's natural to them and the culture they come from, which might be a family barbecue or, you know, onto the next one. But when you're a British player, it's very hard to hide because a West Ham fan will let you know. So you have that extra sense of pride, that extra determination to make sure you win games because it means so much more to you. And if it's not you, it's going to be family and friends that know West Ham fans that will give you stick. So that's what I feel he's doing at West Ham currently. And it's the same thing he did at Everton. And I think that's the best way to go. You know, it hasn't been rocket science. I've always believed that that club and the fan base and understanding the culture behind West Ham and what it means and the supporters... It's always a club that has to be built with that real solid British foundation with a sprinkle of the right type of foreign players who will buy into the culture of the club. So I I think that they're looking very dynamic. They look very well organised. They look strong. I still feel they can kind of strengthen a bit more defensively. Um, Attacking-wise, I don't think... um, Oh, gosh. (laughs) I don't think uh, Antonio... Yeah. gets the, the recognition and praise he deserves. Like, he's he's a different type of striker. Very similar to Emil Heskey, if you ask me. When the ball goes up top, it sticks. And that plays a big part in football, no matter which way you look at it. The ball needs to stay up, stick up top, to get your team up, to join in. And he's got great runners in him. I think Suchek's a great addition in that midfield area. A threat from set pieces, as well as a threat from late runs into the box and being able to, you know, score-headed goals and goals. Um, I think he's doing something very special there Now the thing for West Ham that they need to do Is keep the consistency going Throughout the season How consistent can they be And it's always the Christmas period that can be a bit troubling But I think David Moyes has got something Very good cooking in West Ham
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely One point that you raised Which I echo And I probably uh, use as proof About, you know, what it means to a British footballer To play for West Ham You know, Jared Bowen to me is a player That boy can play and he kind of represents a lot of like that West Ham sort of, you know, oomph that, that you kind of need. I mean, I grew up in the, you know, in the 90s watching West Ham, and that's exactly what they gave you. Um, and the funny thing about David Moyes, Nigel, is that for so long, I always thought of him as such a reactive manager on the pitch, as opposed to as proactive. Oh, no, no.
3: He's, but, he's very proactive. I think he, with especially him, the, he now. His, yeah, he has his team. He's got a good system of identifying players that play under him. And I just feel that he gives the players the confidence and the determination. And he'll be happy with as long as you gave 110% and you compete and you worked hard and that never-say-die attitude. You know, it's not rocket science. I mean, you, you look at him, it's the kind of same thing you look at Diego Simeone, the mm. type of man he is at Atletico Madrid. You know you have to be a certain type of player to play Diego Simeone. I don't think that... They can go and get certain players without Diego Simeone's approval, because if you don't compete and tackle and fight, you will not play for Diego Simeone. And I think that's the kind of same thing that David Moyes has always wanted. You know, he understands you can get maybe the one or two players that you have to treat slightly different and delicate, but that'll be falling onto him. He'll handle that and not anyone else. But Bowen's another great addition. You know, he's come in with a point to prove and he's proven himself and wants to prove himself to be a Premier League player. And he started fantastically well. You know, and Bowen and Suchek were great additions by West Ham. And I think that if they continue in the same vein, they can definitely achieve some real great things.
1: Yeah. Let's finish off with your thoughts on the big one, Liverpool against Leicester City. Uh, as we speak, uh, you know, the Joe Gomez injury uh is is not completely determined but I think we can mostly certainly say that he's not going to feature in this one Liverpool have a real issue at the back uh, Leicester City are looking confident looking good but you know this is still Liverpool how do you see that game?
3: I think it's going to be a, a, a game of tactics I think that, that for me the biggest kryptonite in Liverpool's side is going to be Jamie Vardy and I know Emil touched on it but For me, I don't think there's any other Jamie Vardy in this league. I think every club up and down the Premier League would love a Jamie Vardy because he has pace, electrifying pace. And it's not electrifying pace with no football brain. And that's what people fail to realise. He has a fantastic football brain, great vision, and he's a great finisher. And right now, you look at that manufactured back line that Liverpool have to put out I think that Jamie Vardy will be the, the kryptonite that they really have to concentrate and worry on because all he needs is that one chance. I think that both teams kind of counter counter uh, balance each other out. I think that Leicester's defense is looking very good and promising. And if they can keep Liverpool's front three quiet and maybe get Liverpool on the break, and especially with Vardy's pace when, you know, Liverpool's fullbacks love to push on forward. We've seen them exposed now by teams by just a simple ball down the side of the fullback and the centre back, and without the guidance of Van Dyke and the experience and the calm composureness of Van Dyke, I think that that's something that Liverpool uh, Leicester will definitely look to expose with getting Vardy down the side. So it's definitely going to be a, a, a tight game, but I, I think that I would say I can see maybe a Leicester win to shake up this Premier
1: League. Mm, interesting, should be. A going boom.
3: back on that, actually, I must give credit to Liverpool though. Because when you look at Liverpool right now, they're not playing in full flow. And I think one sign that they're showing of true grit, and it's what Manchester United used to do, is they're grinding out results. Now, that's something that people need to pay attention to because I feel that that is the true determination and heart of a champion. They're not playing flowing football. They're not playing as great as they did. You know, they're patched up, but they're still being able to grind out results and show that great determination that great togetherness to be able to get the job done. And that's what true champions do. So I'll give credit to Liverpool on that one, but I just feel now with the Gomez situation and with Leicester's form and how confident Leicester are, I'll probably just give the edge of this game just to Leicester.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, when you talk about grinding out, remember that one nothing win against Ajax, uh, you know, even getting that result against uh, City, beating West Ham 2-1 and then thrashing atalanta 5-0 but leicester city is a different kettle of fish nigel rio coker such a pleasure to have you uh make sure that you follow him he's now on instagram by the way he's trying to grow that he's trying to grow that crew on instagram nigel rio coker is my favorite nigel rio coker nigel thank you so much for joining cbsk olazo always a pleasure my friend
3: likewise until next time
1: I want to thank Emil Hesky and Nigel Riococa for joining me today. Remember that you can follow us on Lasso pod on Twitter. Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can stream us on Spotify, Stitcher. And if you're watching this and listening to this on Sports.com, make sure that you go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. Really helps us to build and grow this show. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time.